celebrating today Epiphany Sunday, the manifestation of Jesus to, our, to, the, to the Gentiles shown through the coming of the Magi, the wise men, the kings, to Jesus. A common uh, misconception is that there were three wise men. I'm not sure where that came about. It's not in Scripture. Maybe it's through songs such as We Three Kings. And maybe it's through the the three gifts that were brought to Jesus. But also a, a common misconception is that the magi, that the wise men came the night that Jesus was born. We know that the shepherds came the night that Jesus was born, that they heard the, the heavenly uh, uh, angels, right? And the, the pronouncement that Jesus has been born. And then they said, let's go now to see this thing that has happened, which the angels have told us about, which the, which the Lord Almighty has told us about. And so they began to, to make that trek. But um, scholars, those that are much Wiser than I am, believe that the wise men came about uh, two or more years after Jesus was born, and that they actually visited Jesus in his home and not in the the barn or the manger where Jesus was born. And so, what I'm saying to you, all of this, just to say, all of your nativity scenes are wrong. No, praise the Lord. Uh, no, I I I, I joke. So these past few weeks, we still have our Christmas trees up. How many of you have your Christmas decorations down? I do. Yeah? I mean, that's a big... We, we, we took ours down Friday. I think it was Friday. We took ours down, and, and now our house feels empty once again. But um, it's a big uh, accomplishment when you take all your Christmas decorations down because... But, um, yeah, it's kind of... Well, when you put it that way, Becca, Christmas is over. Now it's depressing. Um... No, but we left ours up today through today so that we could continue to talk about Christmas because we're going to talk about the Magi and it's up on the screen. We're going to go to Matthew. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2 today and we're going to continue to talk about and in this series, the cost of Christmas. We've been in this series through December and so today we're going to conclude this series well, we've been talking about the, the cost of Christmas and looking at the lives of many people who celebrated the very first Christmas, considering what Christmas truly cost them. We've talked about Mary, we've talked about Joseph, we talked about Bethlehem, we talked about the shepherds, we talked about Jesus himself and what Christmas cost Jesus. And as we talked about these individuals, we've considered our own lives. And we've considered what Christmas truly costs us. And each week as we've gone through this series, we've been issued a challenge to do something costly for the sake of Jesus. So I want to ask you now, now I, I, I think I told you two weeks ago and I told you last week, and you're going to see a common theme here. I need you to participate. I'm going to ask you a question here in about 10 seconds, and I want you to respond. Can you do that for me? That wasn't the question. That was a warm-up question to see. And I got about five people that responded. Now here's the question. Here we go. Are you willing to do something costly for Jesus' sake. 
All right, now I've got you on the hook, see. She said, yes. Now, God, God heard that, okay? So remember that as we walk through these next few minutes. Doing something costly, and this is why I say remember that, doing something costly often means that it is difficult or inconvenient. Would you agree with that? See, the Magi, they decided to worship Jesus and they were willing to go to a great distance in order to do so. If you're in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to begin our reading today at verse 1, and we're just going to kind of walk through this account of the Magi's visitation to Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, and if you can't find it in your Bible, it's on the Bible app if you're following along there, and I'm just going to add this little plug because some of you are still turning your Bible, some of you are still looking on your phone. I'm going to add this little plug. On the Bible app are, is our order of worship. On the Bible app are all our announcements and news and notes. And so if you said, oh, I missed the, the order of worship, well, guess what? Get the Bible app and then you can get it again. Anyway, no laughter. I'm just joking. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Notice it doesn't say the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Are you still with me? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, now this is important that King Herod was on the throne, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one that's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, it's not evident where the Magi came from. We know that they came from the east. Why? Because Scripture says they came from the east. We don't know exactly where in the east they came from, how far of a, 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 a trip this was. We do know that they came from the east. We do know, and we're going to get to that here in a minute, that they had to visit with King Herod, and they had to ask him, where is the one that's been born king of the Jews? Why? Because they did not have GPS back then. And if they did, they probably couldn't have typed it in, the home of Jesus, right? No laughter at that one. That's all right. But I said again, the Magi, they decided to worship Jesus. They were willing to go to a great distance in order to worship Him. Last week, we talked about our worship of God. And that we, as a church, my hope, my prayer, is that we would worship Jesus like never before in the year to come. That we would worship Him, as I read our vision this morning, with all passion and with all purpose, every ounce of our being that would overflow within us and that, that, that our hearts and our attitudes, everything that we have, would be an act of worship. Someone asked me, not anyone here in the church, they I don't know if they heard the last week's sermon or, or what, but they, they sent me a message and they said, do you always yell when you preach? <clears throat> and I said, only when I get excited. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. I'm going to tell on Lou. Lou came in this morning and I said, how are you doing? He shared a little bit. And then he said... 
I'm a little hoarse from yelling at the TV yesterday. Anybody else yell at your TV yesterday? I'm going to be yelling at my TV a lot this afternoon. I yelled yesterday when the Colts played. Not for very long. They, they had a really good game. Today, I'm going to be yelling for, 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 for three reasons. One, the Bears play. IU plays at the same time. Mark your calendars. And then I'm going to be yelling for everybody else to be quiet so that I can yell at my TVs. But here's the thing, as I, as I think about my yelling, I think about my excitement about sports, I think about, and I was watching last night, the coaches of the teams, right? And they're often yelling at the players, not because they're mad at them necessarily, but because they're trying to stir them up. Here's what I want to say to you, I don't want to stir you up. Here's what, I want, here's what I want to say to you, and I was thinking this yesterday as I watched part of that game, was this. What we are preparing for is greater than any game. Amen? And if we're not ready when Christ returns or when Christ calls us home and it's the end of our earthly life here, there's no second chances. And so when I get a little excited, I get just as excited about my life as I do your life and the lives of my kids and my, my family members because when our earthly life is over, that's it. And I want to make sure that we have it right, that we get it right, that we are preparing now. That doesn't apply to what I'm preaching on this morning, but that's why I get loud. It's because I get excited. Last week we talked about worshiping God with all that we have. Worship Him like never before. Worship Him with all passion and with all purpose. And I say that doing something costly for the sake of Christ is often very difficult, sometimes, often, times, very inconvenient. The Magi had to go a great distance in order to worship God, but... We're going to find here in a moment they put their lives on the line to worship Jesus. It was that important to them. Costly is inconvenient. But doing something costly can also mean that it invites danger into our lives. That we open ourselves up to become vulnerable, the risk of a threat, and the risk of even death. The Magi did the same thing, risking their lives, I said, to worship Jesus. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was greatly disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. King Herod was greatly disturbed. That's why I said earlier, it, it would have stirred King Herod if there were a couple hundred, maybe 300 men that came walking into his palace and said, where is the one that's been born? King of the Jews. That means that he trumps you, Herod. That means that he's greater than you, King Herod. Where is the one that has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, the sign, this symbol that he reigns forever. Where is he? We've come because we want to bow down. We want to worship him. Can you see how someone who's, 
who's a bit full of themselves, a bit of a narcissist, a bit of a prideful person might be offended by this. Are you with me still? I lost half of you when I said narcissist, didn't I? That's all right. King Herod, it says, was greatly disturbed. I have my, my Bible, it says, and all of Jerusalem with him. I say, who is all of Jerusalem? Why is all of Jerusalem upset? Why? Because the king was upset. And when the king got upset, everybody suffered. Are you with me? We can take that. You can take that uh, in whatever way you want to take it. Because I'm going to go on down to verse 7 quickly get off of that. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. King Herod planned to kill this child. We know that, right? That's not a... That's not a uh, uh, um, Spoiler for you, I hope. I said costly is inconvenient. Costly is dangerous. Not many of us will face that in our lifetime where it comes to the point where we say, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to worship Jesus and it means that our life is on the line. But I can tell you this, we must get to a point in our lives where if it means that our life is on the line, if we continue to worship Jesus, we're going to choose Jesus every time. Because if we don't get to that point, then it's not truly worship. It's not truly a sacrifice. Are you with me? You don't have to be with me. Just look it up. It's in your Bible. Costly is inconvenient. Costly is dangerous. And while doing something costly often means that it's inconvenient or even dangerous, the primary definition of costly is that it's expensive. Now I'm going to get into money. I read a quote from uh, it was John Wesley this morning who said, I don't have much use for money. I'm going to mess this quote up, but this is the, the, the basis of it. This is what he said. I don't have much use for money. Every time I get too much of it, I throw it away because if I hold on to it, it grabs a hold of my heart. I don't have much use for money. I don't have much, I don't have much use for money. I throw it away because if I hold on to it, it grabs a hold of my heart. See, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Costly is expensive to give a treasure lavishly. And the Magi did just that. They gave great gifts, gold, incense, and myrrh. You ever give anybody myrrh? No? No, I don't have much use for myrrh either. Wrap it up, put it under the tree, You'd probably still be sitting there. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, they worshipped him, they opened their treasures. They presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Costly is expensive. Gold, 
I don't know what the price of gold is. Anybody know what the price of gold is right now? Somebody does. It's all right. Gold would have been more valuable back then. Incense, myrrh, these were all expensive gifts that the, that the Magi brought. They laid them at the... Uh, they laid them at the feet of Jesus. And I don't know what a baby, what a toddler has to do with gold or incense or myrrh. I mean, they're not very good uh, kids' toys, right? But I can say this, they were most likely sold by Mary and Joseph to fund their trip to Egypt so that they could run away from King Herod who would have killed the newborn king Jesus. Costly is inconvenient. Costly is dangerous. Costly is expensive. Now, I ask again, are you willing to do something costly for the sake of Jesus? For the sake of Christ? I get a whisper now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe. It depends on what that looks like. Costly is inconvenient, it's dangerous, it's expensive. See, I said that. See, I got you first. You, 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 you realized that. You said, yeah, I'm willing to do something costly. And then you hear it's dangerous, it's inconvenient, and it's expensive. And people start to back away. Why is that? I'm not going to ask for your money. We've already, we've already collected the tithe. And whatever God puts on your heart, that's what you should give. I'm not asking for your money, okay? Are you with me? I'm going to ask us to do something dangerous, okay? Let's review. Christmas cost Mary her body. She gave physically, okay? Christmas cost Joseph his reputation. He gave socially. You ever, you ever give up your reputation? Just lay it on the line. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. Christmas cost Bethlehem their sons. They gave relationally. They gave up their family. Christmas cost the shepherds their worship. We talked about that last week. They gave spiritually. Christmas cost the magi their treasures. They gave financially. And I think about these, these areas physically, socially, spiritually, financially, whatever it is, and we could go on and on and on and on and on. Whatever it is, here's my question for those of us who would say, I will do something costly for the sake of Christ. And I think that's most of us here in this place. I think any one of us, if we were given the, the, the opportunity, we said, will you do something costly in order to serve Jesus, in order to make much of Jesus? We'd say, yeah, sign me up. But the question really that I want to pose for us this morning is, what are you holding back? What are you holding back? See, God calls us to live, to love, and to serve with everything that we have. I once heard a friend of mine, he was speaking to a group of teens, and he said, God doesn't ask for much. He asks for everything. He doesn't ask for just a little bit. He asks for a total commitment. Both feet in, waist deep, no way out. I'm in, I'm sold out. Whatever you want, 
See, and I think that, that so often, many of us, we start with just a few toes in the water and we say, Jesus, I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm committed, but if you ask too much of me, then I just want a way out. I want an exit plan. I want to serve you for a little while or a little bit of my life. I'm going to commit to you, but I still need a way out just in case. So my question is, what are you, what are we, what am I holding back from Jesus? He calls us to give everything that we have, holding nothing back. That means that we give physically, we give socially, we give relationally, we give spiritually, we give financially. Whatever Jesus is calling us to, we're going to give. And as I go through those areas, my prayer going into this message this morning was that His Holy Spirit would speak and convict in whatever area of your life right now that you're holding back on so that you can realize whatever, is, whatever you are holding back is truly holding you back from fully experiencing, fully encountering Jesus. That means that if you're holding back spiritually, what, is, what, is, what does that even look like? Let's go through these. Physically, have you turned yourself completely over to God? God, I, I want to be used by you. Physically, that means that if God calls you when you walk out this place this morning and God calls you to move somewhere unfamiliar, you say, yeah, sign me up, I'm still in. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be really inconvenient. It's going to be really trying on my family. But God signed me up because when I said I'm in, I meant I'm in. Are you holding anything back physically, socially? Are you committed to please God or to please others? Which matters more? What God thinks of you or what other people think of you? Relationally, have you dedicated all of your relationships to God? Or are there certain people in your life, when you talk to them, you guard your words, you, you guard your Jesus talk? I've been there. Are you holding back relationally? Are you holding back spiritually? Are you faithful to love and to worship God above all else? I remember as a child, I'm going to do the air quotes, worshiping God like this. And then I remember as a, as a, uh, a young adult, I would worship God and there would be that instance, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, now I'm going to get a little charismatic, when I wanted to go like this, but I'd go about to this level and I'd put my hands in my pockets just so I didn't get too carried away. I, I, don't want, I don't want somebody to think the wrong thing about me, right? Because if you put your hand all the way up, who knows what's going to happen next, right? Holy Spirit might grab a hold of your heart and make you do something crazy. Are you holding back spiritually? Are you holding back in your worship? Are you holding back in your, in your, uh, in your worship of the Lord, bringing Him glory no matter the cost? Are you holding back financially, willing, 
Or are you willing to give God anything He asks for? I'd say this, God will not ask, now, now, now just stay with me, okay? Because I'm not going to quote Scripture here when I say this, but I'm going to say this, God will not ask anything of you that you do not have. I mean, that's just common sense, alright? God's not going to ask anything of you that you don't have. So he can't say, I mean, what's the greatest thing God would ask of you? Your life. God can't say, give me your life if you're already dead. God can't say, give me your fortune if you don't have a fortune. God can't say, give me your family if you don't have a family. God can't say, give me your reputation if you don't have a reputation at all. Are you with me? What are you holding back? Whatever you are holding back right now is holding you back from knowing, from encountering, and from experiencing all of God. Are you willing to do something costly for the sake of Jesus this next year? I'm going to say it again. Costly is inconvenient. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. Are you willing to go out of your comfort zone in 2019 in order to serve and to worship Jesus? Costly is dangerous. It comes with vulnerability. It comes with, with great risks to our lives. Are we willing to do that? I mean, as, a, as individuals and as a, as a church, are we willing to put ourselves on the line and to be vulnerable for Jesus? And costly is expensive. Are we willing to give abundantly in order to bring glory to Jesus? I read our vision this morning. We are a community of committed and faithful followers of Jesus. Who live, love, and serve with passion. That's excitement. With passion. That means other people see it. And with purpose. That means that we give everything that we have. God's given us a skill. He's given us an ability. He's given us a resource or a talent. God's given us a, uh, a certain amount of time or a treasure we use it to bring glory to Him. I exist to serve Jesus. I exist to bring glory to Jesus. And I tell you this, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, or if you become one today, you exist to serve Jesus. You exist to bring glory to God. To bring glory to Jesus. That's why you're still alive today. And if you're not a believer yet, and you haven't submitted to Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life, the purpose of, the purpose of this message right now, the reason you are here this morning, is to bring you closer into His presence 
so that you begin to follow Him, so that, now hold on to your pew, you actually have a purpose in life. And that purpose is fulfilled in Jesus. Last year we began our year together by unpacking our vision, and unpacking our values, and um, we introduced something called a membership covenant. And the purpose of this membership covenant was essentially to come together as a church and say, I'm unified with this church, I'm together with this church, I'm in as a member of this church, and I share a covenant relationship with the other covenant members of this church. The purpose of the, the covenant membership is to say I'm in or I'm still in this next year. I'm going to read the four things that that membership covenant says. It says, I will protect the unity of my church. Just check these off in your mind if you're in or still in. I will protect the unity of my church. I will serve the responsibility of my church. I will serve the ministry of my church. And I will support the testimony of my church. Now it's funny because I, I talked to someone this last week about the membership covenant and I said, I'm not asking you to give your life away. And then I stopped and I said, no, I guess I, I am asking you to give your life away. Let me say this, I'm not asking you to give your life away for the other individuals that make up this church. I'm asking you to give your life away to Jesus. And I'm asking you to partner with us as a covenant member if you're not already, or to, if you are a member already, to re-up another year so that you can either help us fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ in this community. You can correct us and hold us accountable as a covenant member of this church. Well, there's no either. That's it. That's what I want you to do. So, this morning, I have a few of these. Now, I've got them for next, next week, too. I've got a few of these. And I'm going to lay them up here on the altar. If you want to take a look at it, I'm going to sign it. It's on you. Again, I'm going to read these four. I will protect the unity of my church. I will serve the responsibility of my church. I will serve the ministry of my church. And fourth, I will support the testimony of my church. I'm going to lay them up here on the altar. And as we close this morning, here in just a minute, we're going to have a song. As we close this morning, I'll invite you, if you have the desire to come up, take one of these. You can take it home with you. You can sign it. You can leave it on the altar. But the call this morning, above all else, number one, our challenge, because I can't, I can't finish this series without issuing a challenge, our challenge is to do something, not only this Christmas season, not only this week, that is costly for Jesus Christ. Our challenge is to do something that is costly with our lives from this moment on. And our challenge... My challenge to you is to help me fulfill the mission and the vision that Jesus has laid upon our church by joining as a covenant member of this body 
of believers. Father God, I thank you for I thank you for your spirit. I thank you, Jesus, for your call. I thank you, Jesus, that we can partner together. I thank you, Jesus, for this church. I thank you, Jesus, that you have positioned us uh, in, in, in such a way, Lord, that we can make a difference in your great name. I thank you, Jesus, for the, the, the various passions and the various skill sets and purposes, Jesus, of these, this body of believers, Lord God. I pray that as we begin this new year together, Lord, that you would unite us together like never before. Unite us with you. Unite us with one another, Lord God, that we might truly make a great impact, a great difference in the name of Jesus throughout this community in the year to come, we will give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we close.